As you know, we have been in a series called Insta Family, From Chaos to Christ, and we've been looking at every single dynamic that a family may go through. And so today, I want to talk to you for a few moments about the parent-child relationship. And we're going to have a lot of fun today, but the parent-child relationship. So with that, how many of you know that insanity is hereditary? You can actually catch it from your children in Jesus' name. Amen? (laughs) I read a while back that a science teacher was introducing her class to the subject of magnetic power. And she says, okay, class, I want you to guess what we're going to be studying today. The subject starts with an M and it picks up things. What am I? One of the teenagers raised his hand in the back. He says, a mother. I heard this quote some time ago, the advice we rejected from our parents is now the advice we give to our children. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about there? Again, the parent-child relationship. And I think when you, when you think about the parent-child relationship, there's one word that comes to my mind that really stands out above all the other, and that is the word honor. Honor. When you look at the Ten Commandments, God's Big Ten, the Fifth Commandment says this, Honor your father and your mother. You understand this is one of God's Big Ten, so it's very important to God. It's a big deal to God. So then the question comes in, how do we honor our parents? Well, if you're taking notes, I want you to write some stuff down. You can also find all of these notes on the Bridge NC app. That's a real easy way to keep up with what's going on. But I want you to take some notes today. We're going to have some fun. So how do I honor my parents? Number one, we honor our parents by accepting them. We honor them by accepting them. Proverbs 23 verse 22 says, Listen to your father who gave your life, and don't despise your mother when she is old. One translation says, Don't tune your parents out, yo. Don't tune them out. Listen to what they say. And listen, I understand that as a parent and having parents, our parents are not perfect. But we still accept them for who they are. It's kind of like when you go into a courtroom and you dress the judge as your honor. Now, you understand that it has nothing to do with that person's personality. You don't even know him or her. But you say your honor because you're respecting the position. And that's really the point. We, we accept the position. We honor our parents by accepting them, regardless if they're perfect or not. And they're not. We still accept them. And that is a way we can honor them. Here's the second way we honor our parents, by appreciating them. You understand it's very costly to raise children. It is an energy-taking experience when it comes to raising children and being a parent. You know, it's interesting, a little boy, he gave his mom a bill one time. She opened it up, and he had handwritten this thing out, and he said this. He says, I took the garbage out, you owe me $1. I cleaned my room, you owe me $2. I fed the dog every day, twice a day, that'll be $2 a day. And at the bottom he put, total, you owe me $13. So the mom was a little clever. She said, okay, well, I'm going to give you my own bill. So she wrote out a bill, and she says, I have washed and ironed your clothes for 10 years. You owe me $10,000. I've been buying and preparing your meals for 10 years. That's $20,000. I've been your nurse and your doctor helping you back to health. That's another $10,000. Total bill, I love you. 
Any mother in this room could perform the job of air traffic controller with ease. Let's appreciate our parents. Let's appreciate their efforts and their sacrifice. Honor your mother and your father. And we want to do it because the Bible says that we are to do it. So how do we honor them? We accept them. We appreciate them. Here's the third one. Affirm them. We honor our parents by affirming them. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to help them. Acknowledge the good they did. Mom, thank you for all you've done for me. Dad, thank you for running me up and down the roads. Thank you for providing for me. You know, aiding our youngest, he, he has this thing that he does with his mom. And so he'll, he'll be sitting on the couch and she'll come in and he'll look at her and he'll say, How was your day today, beautiful? And when he says that, she just melts right in his hand. And it's almost like she pulls her wallet out and she's like, How much? It doesn't matter. Whatever. I think that little joker's caught on to it. But anyway... He does that. She can fix him some chicken and rice, which is actually his favorite meal. And he'll say to her, he'll say, Mom, that was the best meal ever. And he says that all the time. What is he doing? He's affirming her. We need to affirm our parents because, hear me, you get a whole lot more out of your parents if you praise them than giving them your attitude. And all the parents in the house said... I mean, you know, it's a tragedy that some people only honor their parents at a funeral when it's too late. Listen, no amount of words you say at a funeral is equal to an in-person thank you or a visit or a phone call. While you still have the opportunity, you're affirming them. You're appreciating them and you're accepting them. But in here's number four, we honor our parents by not abandoning them. Don't abandon them. You have to learn that as your parents are getting older, you must not only juggle your responsibilities, but you're going to have to juggle the responsibilities of your parents. And listen, this is a character thing. This is a big deal to God, how we treat our parents in their older age. We don't abandon them. We assist them in practical ways. And this is a requirement. This is something we're called to do. And we should do it. And God will bless us in amazing ways when we do it. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit, and I want to just speak a word to the, key, to the teenagers and the kids real quick. Again, the Bible says, honor your father and mother. And so when you're out with your teenage friends, and your parents do something to tick you off, and under your breath, you walk out and say, I hate my parents. I want to clue you in on something. We don't like you much sometimes either. Amen? And all the parents, you're leaving me hanging up here, parents. Listen, kids, if you walk into the kitchen or if you walk into the living room and your parents were talking and they all of a sudden stop talking because you come in, you understand they were talking about you. You understand that. This thing works both ways, so don't forget it. A mother commented about her teenage daughter. She said she's very independent. She lives alone at our house. (laughs) A father said to his teenage daughter, he says, I want you home from your date no later than 11 o'clock. The daughter looks at the father and says, but dad, I'm not a child anymore. He says, exactly. That's why I want you home at 11 o'clock. Teenagers always say, I hate it when my parents repeat things. But listen, if you would just listen and acknowledge us the first time. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Because if you sit there with that dazed look on your face, we're going to assume you on drugs or something. 
Children, obey your parents. This is the right thing to do in the eyes of the Lord. Teenagers, get along with your family. Don't be selfish. Address your parents with respect. You know, Mark Twain said, when I was 14 years old, my father was so ignorant I couldn't bear to be around him. He said, but by the time I was 21, I was amazed to see how much he had learned over the seven years. See, it seldom dawns on teenagers that someday you're going to grow up and you're going to know just as little as your parents knew. Jesus was the only teenager who knew more than his parents knew, and yet he submitted to his parents. The Bible says he was obedient unto them. The best reason for honoring our parents is because God tells us to do it. And when we honor our parents, not only does it impact our lives, it impacts their lives as well. It is a recipe for blessing and prosperity and long life according to the scripture. And when you honor your parents, you get these things. If you don't honor your parents, then God won't honor you. Children have a duty to honor their parents, but parents, listen to me. We have a duty to be honorable. Parents must live a life worthy of honor. There were two children in the back room, and they had the door closed, and they were screaming and hollering, and the mother ran down the hall. She opened the door, snatched it open, and she says, Why are you children screaming? And the children looked at her and said, We're not screaming. We're playing mommy and daddy. One of the best ways to correct your children is to correct the example that you're setting for them. Here's a simple test. How is your language around your children? How is your behavior around your children? And how does it match up to your own rules? Our role model is our heavenly father, God. And how does God treat his children? Well, the Bible says God is close to all who call on him and he hears them. God listens to us, and we're expected to listen to our kids, listen to our students. You know, one teenager said this. He said, home is a place where you can say anything you want to because nobody's listening anyhow. Listen to your children. Listen to what they say. Understand your children. Why? Because God understands us. Proverbs 24 verse 3 says that homes are built on a foundation of wisdom and understanding. And the proof that we understand our children is that we listen to them. We're patient with them. One father said to his son, he said, son, he said, Winston Churchill, when he was your age, he said he studied all day long and he worked all night long. And then the teenager slapped back at his father and he said, yeah, he said, but when Winston Churchill was your age, he was the prime minister of England. What are you doing? Two of the best things you can give your children, these are not in your notes, write these down. Two of the best things you can give your children are roots and wings. Roots and wings. There are roots. You give them roots in God's house. You give them roots to a Christian heritage. Taking your family to church. Doing what we're doing here today. Listen, you can't put a price tag on it. And you may say, well, it's not mattering much. Listen, it matters when you take time Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and you make church a priority. You are shaping their lives for generations to come. And you're giving them roots. But not only that, you need to give them some wings. Let them dream. Let them fly. Let them do amazing things. And you understand while they're doing that, they're probably going to fall short. They're going to fail. They're going to mess up. And so that's where grace comes in. Grace says, I love you and I accept you even when you fail. 
One man said his mom was a travel agent for guilt trips. If you're a parent, you got to admit when you're wrong. Do what you say you're going to do. You know, it's interesting because when you've got four kids, it's hard to determine who did what. Come on, and all the parents know what I'm talking about if you've got that situation. Missy and I went out to eat. This has been years ago. We went out to eat. We come home. All four of the kids were there. Well, something was broke in the house, and we saw it as soon as we walked in. It's an amazing thing. We lined all four of them up and said, who did it? Who did what? I don't see anything. I don't know what's going on. And so we sat there for 10 minutes. Hey, which one of you did it? Who did it? I don't know what you're talking about. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. So Missy and I, she was like, what do you want to do? I said, I know. Let's get them one-on-one. We'll break them down. Amen. So we pulled them in a room one-on-one. And they still wouldn't deny it. You know, wouldn't admit it. So I pulled the pastor card. I said, you know, I feel like the Lord has told me it was you. I just really, it was you. And so one thing led to another, and Lane got the blame. Come on, somebody. Lane got the blame. Spank Lane, sent him on to his room, and we're sitting in the bed, and we're still amazed. Why wouldn't they admit what's going on? Well, next thing I know, here comes Caleb in the bedroom crying, Daddy, it was me. Come on, I'd already whoop Lane. Are you with me? So I had to go up the steps and apologize. How many of you know when you eat crow, it's not good? You can bake it. You can saute it. You can fry it. It's not good when you're eating crow. And so I told him, I said, baby, I'm so sorry. I said, but i tell you what I'll do. I'm going to give you this one on time because I know somewhere along the line you did something and got by with it. Amen. You got to admit when you're wrong. Admit it. Love your kids. Why is it so important for us to love our kids? Because God loves us. And he expresses that love to us in four different ways. He gives us affection, affirmation, attention, and discipline. That's what God gives us. Affection. What is that? Affection is touch, hug, kiss. You got to do that with your children. You know, even right now on the first day of school, Misty takes the kids to school. She walks them to their class. She kisses them on the cheek. I mean, you know, Lane's going to be a senior this year. And she's going to walk him to his class. And she's going to kiss him on the cheek. And he's like, ooh, mom, that's gross. Stop. But listen, she's going to do it anyway. And listen, they love it when you do that stuff. Touch, hug, kiss. But then you got to give them affirmation. Affirmation is praise. You speak well. You compliment your kids. I'm proud of you. That's incredible. I appreciate you. Thank you. But then you give them your attention. You listen not only with your eyes, but you listen with your ears. But then the fourthly, sometimes you have to give them discipline. God disciplines his children. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says, For whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth. The word chasteneth there means discipline. And when I'm talking, I'm not talking about beating your youngins. Come on now, I'm not talking about that. But you've got to set up boundaries. You set up boundaries for your kids. And sometimes you've got to discipline. And listen, as a parent, if you don't discipline your kid, because too many parents today are trying to be their buddy and trying to be their friend. But listen, your child don't need another buddy. They don't need another friend. They need a parent who's going to love them and discipline them and set up some boundaries in their lives. Too many parents today, they tie up their dog at night and let their kids run loose. 
Some people trace their roots and ancestors back for 300 years, but they can't tell you where their teenager was last night. It's our job as parents to discipline our children and not just let them run wild and do whatever they want to do with whomever they want to do it with and report nothing to nobody. We've got to have some rules in the house. So what are the rules that we need? Every family should have four rules in the home. What are they? You need to be fair, be firm, be fun, and be forgiving. Be fair, be firm, be fun, and be forgiving. You need to be fair. If you tell your child you're going to do something, do it. Be fair with them. Don't treat one one way and treat the other one the other way. Be fair with your kids. But then you need to have some fun. You know, go out. Take a vacation as a family. Hang out together. Have some fun together. Play ball. Play frisbee. Whatever. Go have some fun. But sometimes you got to be firm. In my house, there are times that I know when I say no to something, I automatically know there's going to be an atmosphere in my home for the next few days, and it's going to be tough. And so, but that, listen, that's part of what a parent does. And listen, kids don't understand it. They don't get it. But what, what are you doing? You're training them up on how to raise their children one day. And, you know, my kids have told me this. Well, when I get older and have my kids, I'm going to let them do whatever they want to do. And I just look at my kids and say, you know what? You got brain damage right now. You don't even know what you're talking about. Listen, it's a medical fact. Until you get 21, your brain don't stop growing until you're 21. So you don't even have all your brains yet. You don't know what you would do. Amen? So you got to be fair. You got to be fun. You got to be firm. But then sometimes, often you got to be forgiving. Psalms 27.10 says, Even if my father and mother abandon me, God will hold me close. Jesus says, Hey, I love you so much. Even when you mess up, he says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And so as parents, we, we need to understand that there are times where we as parents mess up. Our kids mess up. But we don't, we don't abandon one another. We forgive one another. Listen, unresolved resentment destroys families more than anything else. And so we have to learn this word that's called forgive. Forgive. The definition, one definition says to give up anger and need for revenge. Another translation says that the word forgive means to show mercy and grace. Romans chapter 12 verse 18 says, If it is possible... As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. What does that mean? That means I've got to do my part. You've got to do your part. Some of you, you may need to forgive your kids. Some of you may need to forgive your parents. Some of you need to forgive yourself. Some of you need to receive forgiveness from God. Because listen, if you're not willing to forgive, then you break the bridge over which you must pass to receive forgiveness from God. God loves each of us as if there was only one of us. The story of the prodigal son is, is really a prime example of that. You, you know the story. This son goes to his dad and in essence he's saying, Dad, I wish you were already dead. He said, give me my inheritance. He takes all the inheritance, all the money. He goes off. He blows it. He's living the life. It's fun. It's great. And then he winds up in the pigsty. And then he, the Bible says he came to himself. And the key to the whole story of the prodigal son is that he had to return in order to be restored. He had to return in order to be restored. And here's what I know. There's two types of people in the world. 
There are those that are prodigals. There are those that are running from something. Maybe you're running from your parents. You're running from your kids. You're running from God. You're running. Listen, you've got to return in order to be restored. So there are those who are prodigals, and then there are those who were prodigals. They understand how to return. Forgive me. I was wrong. I messed up. And then there's a coming together that takes place. You understand in the times that we're living in right now. I mean, guys, look at our nation. Look at where we are. Look at the division that is there. Look at the, the, the division that we have among our people, among our races. There, there's this huge divide in the middle of it. And you need to understand that the enemy is responsible for dividing us. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Scripture goes on in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do not forsake the assembling of yourself together, as is the manner of some. But exhort one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What's he talking about? He says, the more you see evil going on, the more you see the signs of the coming of the Lord approaching, and you see trouble in the world, and trouble happening. He said, as a family, you don't separate, you assemble. As a church, you don't separate, you assemble. You come together. Why? Because we're better together. And the enemy knows that. That's why he doesn't want you to get together. But you've got to get together with your family. You've got to get together with your church. And it's interesting because from where I'm sitting, I'm seeing this not coming together. I'm seeing a division. I'm seeing people going apart. But the Bible says we've got to assemble And for some of us today, maybe you're at odds with someone. Maybe you're at odds with your parents. Maybe you're at odds with your children. And the enemy is coming to you saying, you just need to separate. You need to go your separate ways. But listen, the way you hold it together, and I don't care what's going on in your family, you don't let the enemy divide you from flesh and blood. You look at them and say, I'm going to be in your life. I'm going to love you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to keep coming back. And sometimes we don't even like each other, but we're going to stay together because we're family. And that's what families do. You got to stay together. You got to assemble. You got to to, to come together, not only as a church, but as, as a family. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me all over the house, if you can. Stand with me all over the house. I'm going to ask you to do something. If you want that spirit of unity on your home and on your family, if you want that spirit of connectivity, I want you to put your arms around somebody that's your family right now. Just kind of put your arms around them. Come on, y'all already living together. No social distancing. If you're not family, don't be holding on to people. Amen. Go on somewhere. Put your arms around them. You're part of a family. You need to let them know, hey, we're better together. We stand together. Come on, you may look at them and say, you know what? I'm going to forgive you. You're going to forgive me. 
I'm going to love you. You're going to love me. In the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And it's for me and my house. We've made a decision. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to assemble. We're going to stay together. We're going to make it through. We're going to run to each other. Listen, look at him and say, I won't let you go. You can't get rid of me. Come on, look at him in the eye. Tell him, say, I'm always going to be in your business. Always, always going to be in your business. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you're the God of families. Family is your idea. And Lord, you know how to make a family work. You know our, our shortcomings. You know where we've messed up at. But you know how to put us together. And Lord, we need your help, especially in our family. So, Lord, we're asking that you would bless our families. Bless my family. Keep my family. Unite my family. Connect my family. Help us to let go of the past. Help us to forgive one another. Help us to have love and life and joy in our relationships because we are better together and we will not be separated in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said amen.